Hello and welcome to the Learning That Sticks podcast. I'm Mark Williams from GiraffePad, the learning platform for learning journeys. Now in this podcast series, I am chatting with experts from around the world of learning and development, exploring with them their different ideas, their techniques, their methods, their magic source, if you like, for creating learning solutions that truly stick. And in this episode, I am delighted to welcome back Jamie Dixon. And this isn't his first podcast with us, and it's not his second. This is the third time Jamie has graced the Learning That Sticks microphone. And today we're going to explore a very, very interesting subject around how people actually learn. Jamie, welcome back. Thank you. It's good to be back. Thank you for having me again. No, the, the third episode, two, and, and I'd say this right off the bat, if people are listening to this now, I highly recommend they tune back into episodes uh, one and two that Jamie has recorded in our previous seasons. Um, but listen, Jamie, there is a small possibility that our learning, a listening population may not um, have heard about you, might not have listened to our previous episodes, shock horror. <laughs> so if potentially you could just give us a little bit of your background, if you like a potted career history to date as to, to how you've ended up where you are right now. Sure. So uh, as I speak, I'm actually based in Shanghai in China, where I've been for the last 15 years. Uh, I'm actually planning to relocate to the UK later on this year, early next year. Uh, I started my learning and development career as a English teacher. Um, That was my lazy way of trying to escape from reality. Uh, and and not take on a, a full-time career, but I actually discovered English teaching was, was really fun, um, and I really enjoyed the classroom experience. Uh, I later left that and went into um, the corporate world, working in training and development, leveraging my background as a classroom teacher, um, and that was where I discovered learning and development. And I realized there are other avenues for, for developing that career. So for the last decade, I've been working as a, a coach and trainer, uh, mostly helping uh, Chinese leaders in multinational companies to boost their influence when working with, uh, with their stakeholders overseas. Uh, I'm also an author. Uh, I've published two books and about to publish my third book, uh, The Story Habit, very, very soon as well. Uh, yes, so that's me. Fantastic, Jamie. I mean, kudos to that. The third book. I mean, the idea of one book is, is amazing, but your third book coming out, highly recommend those for everyone listening. Um, so, Jamie, you've been involved in learning development for a number of years now, and I have. And, and one thing that's it doesn't really matter what your training, teaching, facilitating, coaching, whatever the subject matter is, whoever you're working with, at the heart of it is um, helping people genuinely learn and learn in order to do things differently, better, whatever it is their, their outcomes they're aiming for, isn't it? Mm. Um, what, are you, what are your thoughts on this to get us started then? Mm. Well, um, I think a, a really useful philosophy to look at that helps I think really explains how people learn is uh, the philosophy of Taoism, which I've been very, very interested in over the last year. It's a a traditional Chinese philosophy and um, it's, it's different to, uh, it's different to Buddhism, for example, where Buddhism uh, emphasizes letting go of emotional attachments. Taoism emphasizes letting go of conceptual attachments and I really think that that is um, that's how you learn as well by learning to let go of the concepts that you use to navigate the world. And a, a really good way of summarizing Taoism 
is uh, a, a, a traditional Chinese painting of three old men dipping their fingers in a vat of vinegar. Uh, and the first man, uh, he, he pulls his finger out and he licks it and he says, oh, this is bitter. Uh, and he's Buddha. And Buddha believes that life, uh, sorry, that life is bitter and we should not get attached to it. And, uh, you know, that's the Buddhist philosophy. Life is bitter. Don't get attached to it. The next man is Confucius, uh, which, you know, he's uh, another ancient Chinese philosopher that created a very different path of philosophy. He pulls his finger out, licks it and says, oh, this is sour and things should not taste this way. And he is all about order and rules and things should be done in certain ways. And the third man is Lao Tzu, the author of the Tao Te Ching, um, the book about Taoism. And he is smiling and he says, it is what it is. You may as well enjoy it. And, and I think that really sums up Taoism. And I, the more I've read about Taoism, the more I think it explains how we learn and, and how we should approach learning as well. It's interesting, isn't it? Because um, this idea of, of letting go of concepts um, actually is, is almost in direct contrast to how a lot of trainers and facilitators might approach a learning intervention with with lots of concepts in order to help explain the message they might be trying to get across in that moment. Absolutely. Um, there's so much training, which is one concept after another concept. And, you know, here's what some university professor uh, at Harvard or Stanford says, and go away, discuss this. How would you use this in your life? And I really think that is putting people down the wrong path because we're getting people too attached to uh, to concepts and frameworks and not actually enabling them to learn on their own. And, and I, I give a really typical example um, is this famous statistic that what is it, 55% of communication is body language and 38% is uh, is voice tone and only 7% or something is actually the words you say. Uh, and this is, this is a famous statistic that comes up in a lot of communication skills trainings. And then, you know, the trainer will use that to then go into, this is why body language is important. But no one stops to actually think critically about that. If that was actually true, then literally 55% of this podcast could be delivered through mime. And it's, it's just not true. And uh, even the person who created that theory actually says, no, this is not, uh, this is not what I meant by this research. But what so many people have done is they've taken facts, theories, concepts, models that they don't really understand, and they've just attached themselves to that. And not just anyone, but trainers in particular have attached themselves to these, and they're delivering them to other people and even convincing other people that this is a valid model when actually it's causing people to overlook uh, other things that are there. You know, 55% of communication is through body language. So my body language is really important, but actually that's just not true. And ignoring what's actually there. Whereas I think if we want to be really good at helping people learn, our 
big part of that is helping people step back from the concepts uh, that they're using to navigate life and you know analyze what little bits might be missing and and what they can learn from that and i find it's such it's such a lacking skill in so many people um they just get way too attached to these concepts it's interesting though isn't it because i'm listening to you there and i'm thinking you know that you've you've just used that that so-called communication statistic there are countless models and frameworks that you know even if we just look at you've used communication so if you took just a subject around management or leadership a very common you know, learning development development area into bigger longer going programs and if you dug into a lot of the the content if you like as you said you would find enormous numbers of models frameworks and concepts that are used to try and bring an aspect of management to life in whatever way stripping those out it'd be interesting if you stripped all of those out um it leaves a very 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 different uh, not only a different experience for the learner but a very very different experience for the trainer and facilitator who almost hangs on to those models as part of their level of expertise and, and value add in a way isn't it yeah and and i'll be completely honest this is something i still i still find quite challenging um i mean as an example I use the DISC model in, in a lot of workshops I do on communication and influencing skills. And I try so, so hard throughout the workshop to emphasize this is just a model. It is not really how people are, but people are way more complicated than this. I try so hard to emphasize this throughout, but people really buy into it. And, and and they leave with, oh, this is that style and that's that style. And I, you know, I think I, I get the message through to some people at least, but definitely not to everyone. Uh, and so I, I try really, really hard throughout workshops to let people know that this is just a model and we're just using it to simplify the complicated reality that you're in. You know, with DISC, people are really, really complicated. And the, the beauty of DISC is it simplifies it. But it, it, that's not what people are like. Open your mind to exceptions. And, and I, I, I still have not found the perfect way of, of balancing that. And probably the perfect way is no content whatsoever, um, which is basically pure coaching. Uh, when you get into coaching, that is stripping down the concepts that they are using to uh, to, to analyze what's going on. Um, so, you know, coaching is definitely an effective way of doing that. Um, and when you're using content, it, it, it can really, really, it can be quite difficult to deliver content and get people out of that mindset. And that makes it's an interesting question. It's like, You've used DISC there as an example of simplifying something that is far more complex, which a lot of models do, and you get in a, in a sort of logical way, you understand why that is. Um, but in a sense, is it then what's happening really is that from a facilitator point of view, we're trying to simplify a message, which means they don't have to learn as hard. And from a learner's point of view, they're embracing a simple message rather than maybe some of the, the harder elements of the learning that needs to be done in order to truly move forward. So both both sides of the the party almost are are dipping into a simple approach rather than maybe understanding the complexities that will genuinely make a difference for them. 
Yeah, I, I guess so. Because some things you, you know, I, I think the the good thing about training is it shortens the learning curve for people. If you wanted to, you know, an influencing skills training, for example, ideally will give people the tools and some concepts as well that help them to reach insights much faster than they would have on their own. And, and that that is a very, very useful thing to provide to people because it, it just it creates a shortcut to those insights. Um, and, and so that's the value of training, I guess. Uh, on the other hand, especially in the world we're living in right now, I'm finding increasingly people really need to be able to navigate complexity and change their mindset as fast as possible. And, you know, maybe, and, and this is maybe something <laughs> something up for debate, maybe training, the, the, the nature of training actually discourages uh, that kind of ability. Um, and to go into a little bit more detail, you know, a lot of people, I'm sure a lot of your listeners have heard of VUCA, um, volatile, uncertain, complex, ambiguous, to describe the world, the rapidly changing world we're living in. Well, apparently VUCA is so 2019, there's now a new term called BANI, which stands for brittle, anxiety, uh, non-linear, and I think incomprehensible <laughs> to describe the world we're living in. And, and how can you navigate that world with old concepts when the concepts are immediately out of date? So, and I'm, I'm also thinking on my feet here as well and getting new insights as I say this, but um, maybe there are some things that are kind of somewhat universal, somewhat timeless, and then there are some things that we need to really open our mind to uh, and, and discover and explore new ways. Um, yeah. <laughs> Well, let's let's bring this idea because I love this um, the way you've aligned it with, with Taoism at the beginning and your the painting that you used as, as an analogy there. If we were to apply the kind of the core principles of Taoism to a learning experience, you mentioned you aligned it with coaching earlier as well, which is obviously putting a lot of that emphasis of genuine learning inside the the, the recipient's mind rather than watching a model being displayed on a PowerPoint or anything like that. Um, what would a learning experience be like if we really if we made this this Taoism as our as our starting point to say this is how we're going to uh, engender a learning experience because we know that's how people can learn? What would it be like? What would what would be in there? Because we're going to strip the concepts out, right? Mm -hmm. So, just to show off my my Chinese, there's a, <laughs> a there's a there's a saying in the in the Dao De Jing, which is pretty much the very first line of the Dao De Jing, which is Dao Ke Dao Fei Chang Dao, which means the Tao that can be spoken is not the eternal Tao, which translates as any kind of word, model, concept you use to look at the world uh, is not the way the world actually is. And uh, I think a really vivid example of how this might work in, um, in training is, uh, is intercultural, uh, intercultural awareness um, this is the first thing that comes to mind because there's a great metaphor uh, for describing culture, which is a, a fish in water. Uh, you're in water. If someone was going to ask you, what's that water like? You're like, I, I, I don't know. <laughs> this is it. But when you're taking out of that water, 
for me, as a Brit, when I first moved to China, only at that point could I realize what British culture actually was. And you, you start to see, th- see things that you weren't aware of before. And so when you, it, it, when you go through an experience like that, it kind of triggers you. It, it, it really pushes you out of your comfort zone. You, you, you get frustrated, you get angry, disappointed, embarrassed, all of these kinds of things. And I think these are all signs that the, the Tao, the, the way that you are using to navigate the world uh, is not working in the world you are in right now. And so perhaps a, a way of applying this to, to learning and development interventions is you know, focusing on what is not working for you right now. Because the idea of concepts, they are useful when they help you navigate your world. But the moment you realize, <laughs> I can't navigate this world, is the moment your concepts are not serving you. So perhaps a really useful uh, and relevant to the, this age learning solution starts with helping people realize quicker that the concepts I'm using right now are not are not serving me at all. And I, I'd be curious to hear what you you think about this, actually. Well, I mean, you immediately, in my mind, what I pictured, so I was pitching a group of leaders, okay? We talk, we've talked about leadership as a classic, uh, classic sort of learning and development um, program that make, people might go through. And often people are, not always, but sometimes in the earlier stages of their leadership career or their management career, for example. And a traditional program would have them into these workshops with lots of concepts and models around with all of the research that's been done into management and leadership around the world. Whereas actually the closest I can imagine to what you've just described is that actually they're there, they're, they're doing their work, they're, they're leading their teams, managing their teams, doing whatever they do. And when they come together as a group with a, with a facilitator and a coach, it is all about what's not working for you. It's not the model on the wall or the concept over here or some content being pushed out for them to try and go and sort of shoehorn back into their, their water, if you like, uh, back where their fish is, uh, but actually pure coaching, group coaching around what's not working and what can they do differently when they go back. No concepts, no models, simply based on experience and how that experience is different to what they want it to be. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, I think that comes back to the painting earlier because sometimes sometimes it is working and it, that's also an opportunity to, to learn what is working as you're tasting the vinegar are you able to enjoy this experience and and, you know if not then what's not working and if you are then cool what why is that and what do you have to share with other people and so that is probably a uh, the, the the pinnacle of learning solutions, not so much depending on an external trainer and facilitator. And I guess this, this episode is going to make our entire industry redundant afterwards, but encouraging managers, um, individuals as well, to learn on their own and recognize when things are not working for them and go and seek out ways of, of quickly identifying what's not working for them. And regaining awareness of what is working and how is that working and being able to share that with others. I I think that's really the skill that um, 
managers, leaders in particular need, need to be developing to, to navigate through this VUCA, Bainy, crazy world that we're living in right now. <laughs> well, I mean, just, just for a number of our, our listeners, job security, I do think there is definitely the role of a, a, a very, very high quality facilitator to facilitate that kind of learning and, and be that objective source to, to draw, out, um, draw out challenges. But also what I'm picturing in, in those kind of contexts as well is, is coming back to your painting, you could quite possibly have three leaders in the same organisation um, experiencing very, very similar patterns in their, whether that be, uh, whatever that might be, we could pick anything out, like a disengaged team or, or, or a, a highly motivated team, whatever that might be, all experiencing them, but experiencing it in different ways. You know, one that thinks they're not responsible for it and it's going completely wrong. One that wants it in a different way and another one that's saying, hey, I'm, I don't know why it's good, but it is good. Um, <laughs> and, and helping them draw the learnings from that and, and the reflections and so that, People can go back with real uh, insights as to what they could do to to get to where they want to get to. Um, is it intrinsically more valuable than whatever you experience at the moment? That's back in the water. Come over here in a different culture. Take this model and go back and apply it. Mm. And and I'm thinking, you know, for the sake of job security. <laughs> um, the value that that we can bring as facilitators is. Uh, firstly, helping people go through that process uh, because, you know, ideally anyone in a leadership uh, position should be able to learn really, really fast. The reality I have found is most don't. Uh, most have forgotten how to learn, in my opinion. And, um, you know, I encounter that a lot in China um, because of the, the nature of the education system, but I don't think it's just limited to China. So I think one value is, um, you know, being someone who is a really, um, I don't want to say skilled or wise, but just really familiar with how you actually learn and can recognize what's going on with people right now what stage of this process are they at and one other thought as well is that when it comes to training on a particular topic i really do think that the the facilitator needs to be highly experienced and insightful in that topic in order to quickly provide um a, a spark which hopefully leads to insight for the other person um and i've kind of forgotten where i was going with that but uh yeah um what i was thinking when you were describing those three managers is uh some managers it's going well for them and everything's working for them and they have something of value to share with the managers who it's not working for but a problem for them is they don't know why it's working so well. And so they need to regain awareness of why it's working so well. And I think that's a value that a really experienced facilitator in a particular area can bring. Someone who's focused on one type of problem has worked with hundreds of different teams who've had this kind of problem and knows all of the patterns around this problem can very, very quickly point to I've seen this before. This is what happened before. 
and what do you think of that? So I, I, I think that is probably the value of, of a facilitator, guiding someone through the learning process, but also having that background of a pattern recognition around this particular problem to quickly give the spark that, that generates the insight that they need. See, my thoughts on that or my angle on that is, is on the slightly different side of feeling that if you're a facilitator, coach, trainer, we've got lovely labels for all of these roles, whatever, whatever label you want to, to, to wear on those shoulders. Um, and I've often thought this is that more than your knowledge of the subject matter and all of the models and research and background is there is, is actually it comes to the subject of what we're talking about is your, your understanding of how people learn. So understanding these, this is, this is this kind of experience, this kind of reflection, this kind of, um, understanding the real practice, the real water you're living in rather than, than um, not being aware of what's around you is where people really, really learn rather than bringing your expertise as I've got a, a library of models that you can, and concepts you can apply to it um, and, and almost pushing aside the real experience, allowing people to still be completely unaware of the water around them. Because essentially, if we, and we're coming back to your fish analogy, um, sure, you ask a fish, uh, <laughs> if they could speak like I said how, how would I know what this water is like I don't know anything else it's only this water and and that's actually the biggest learning you can help people to um to experience isn't it let's experience what your water around you is like um so that you can swim through it better or, or manage it better whatever whatever they might be needing to do whatever whatever the the, the focus is mm. yeah I, I think helping them uh, better relate to the the environment, the, the situation that they're in, better navigate it, uh, find what is the next step forward. And, you know, I, I think the difference between coaching and, and training or facil uh, probably facilitation is coaching is just purely helping people through that learning process. Uh, and that is a, a fantastic skill and really, uh, really requires a deep understanding of how people work on the coach's side. I, I'd argue facilitation is, is that plus the, the pattern recognition of, of the particular situation that they're in. And I, I emphasis on the pattern recognition as opposed to the models, the concepts, the tools. I have seen so many examples, and I, I'll be honest, I'm, I've been guilty of this in the past as well, of trainers who just talk through model after case study after story without thinking of anything of relevance to the audience or how this would actually be of value to the audience. Um, they just think about the content that they are delivering and that's it. And whereas a facilitator steps away from the content and focuses on that pattern recognition, uh, I think a really interesting example is actually Tony Robbins, who I'm not a big fan of Tony Robbins, but if you watch what he does, when there are people in the audience and they share their problems, he has seen that exact problem 7,653 times before. Uh, he knows the pattern and he can pinpoint exactly what's going on. And that is a real value to bring to the audience, to, to really quickly connect the dots for them. But it, it, as a facilitator, I think it needs to be balanced with coaching to know when 
you need to let people navigate it by themselves and when it would be of most value to quickly connect the dots for them. It's not about content or models. It's about pattern recognition, in my opinion. And yeah, and this is it's, it's interesting because we we started talking about how people learn, and, and really where we ended up focusing on is is the facilitator's role in this. Um, and I, I'm quite passionate about this because actually, what it, it, if you're a facilitator about to go and run a program like this, it's having that confidence and that presence to just be there in the moment for that group of people. It's not to to be there as a content provider. Is there to to draw out, help them build that awareness of, of their, I'm, I'm loving this analogy of the fish, the water that they're they're swimming in, um, and and to understand if it's working, what's making it work, how can they replicate that or duplicate it or, or turbocharge it if you like, where it's not working, what's stopping it working, what can they do differently? Like you said, you can you can interject with the patterns that you recognise because you may well have done this with with thousands of other previous people. Um, but I think bringing those coaching skills to the fore is even if you haven't got some of those patterns, helping people experience from each other in a group sense the water they're swimming in and how they can swim in it better. Um, I can see a lot of leadership programs being rebranded re as, as something about a fish out of water or something along those lines now, um, is, is, is really your core responsibility. Mm. And because you know if, you, if you're good at that, and in the time that the people are with you, they are, um, they are really heightening their awareness and identifying changes they can make, then they're learning. And they may be hard to learn. It certainly it will feel tougher for them at times, especially if they're a little bit rusty around their learning. You know, people who are used to going through facilitated sessions like this will, will be fine. But for others, it might be a lot harder than being able to just sit there and absorb a simplified model and say, oh, yeah, I'm this and, and you're over there is that. So that's why we don't work together. Um, Actually, though, it'll be tougher for them, but the learning that will come out of it um, will be very, very real to the water they're swimming in. And it's so different to, uh, I, I, I think, a lot of the ways that training is, is typically done in so many organizations. There's so many times where I've worked with a training company on a particular program that's being delivered globally for a particular client, and they're like, on this slide, it's really important you get this message through. And it's just, it's nothing to do with the water uh, that the people are in. It's nothing to do with their reality. It's, it's, it's brainwashing or a really weak attempt at it in a way. But I mean, I, I suppose as well as part of that challenge is, is how that is communicated out to stakeholders. Because, of course, if you've got a huge slide deck with some very impressive-looking statistics and models, for, for the stakeholder who's not necessarily involved in the learning and simply wants to know there's a credibility here as to who's coming in, that's going to look impressive. Mm. Um, versus someone who, who doesn't have a slide deck because there is no slide deck, <laughs> there are no mm. models, and is saying, I'm simply going to help them recognise the water they're swimming in. <laughs> Probably not in so many <laughs> words. <laughs> Um, that could you could understand that can be a harder selling and perhaps that's where sometimes we all trip up a little bit in learning is feeling we've got to give credibility to this skill which is almost this intangible ability to coach people to build their own awareness and to help them learn rather than to absorb content yeah and i i found from my own experience of working as you know an independent trainer facilitator coach whatever you want to call me i i have found that um uh, branding is is 
the solution to that. Uh, and honestly, it's something I'm still working on. But if you are good at the business side of this, you can attract the kind of clients who understand that. And if you're not good at the business side of it, you end up working with a lot of clients who don't understand that because they're looking for the easy buy, the, using the concepts that they understand. This is what training looks like. It includes these models, this kind of structure. And really the best kind of clients, it, you know, they trust you immediately and they are 100% comfortable with you walking into the room with nothing, um, nothing but your experience. Uh, that is the best kind of client if, if you are that that kind of facilitator. But it requires, on the facilitator's part, uh, a business mindset, which I'll be honest is something I'm still learning at the moment. <laughs> and it's a, it can be a long learning journey. Um, I my take on that is, I think it's part of an ongoing conversation that goes on in the world of learning development. The people are really focused on driving our sector forward. So on the one side, you've got that traditional phrase of training, which is models and, and research and statistics and concepts and everything we've been discussing. On the other side, and I totally get why this is part of the conversation, this sort of push to get anyone involved in learning to talk about performance and the, the end results and what people need to do differently, which I totally get and understand, but actually it's those people that are delivering that performance. It's not the facilitators. I think our focus is on high quality learning. That's our area of expertise. That's what we know about. That's what we can offer in is helping people learn in a really high quality way. Because let's face it, I mean, you mentioned about um, frustrated that people maybe not always or always forgetting to learn, not being aware of learning. I think a lot of a lot of adults, so less so children, a lot of adults don't consciously consciously learn every single day. So we do forget there is a there's a skill to it. There's a way of doing it. Um, and I think our role, I say our this grand hour, <laughs> any of us involved in any kind of learning, is our number one role is to help people become high quality learners. And if you do that the performance will then take care of itself because they're learning how they can perform better. And you're not muddying the waters with the old style training with concepts and models, which let's face it, maybe one in every thousand suddenly works. That's probably a concept. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And you know, that in a way, traditional style training is it's a bit like being a drug dealer, really. You, you, you give them the training and you're not teaching them how to learn. Well, well, sorry, teaching them how to learn, helping them improve their ability to learn. Uh, and you're, you're trying to encourage dependency on, you know, you can't do that. So you need this training. And, and that's not really the way it should be. If we are to really create value in the industry of learning and development or whatever you want to call it, uh, we should be helping people get better at learning. Um, that is ultimately what we should be focused on uh, because I, I, I really feel, based on my experience, too many people uh, have completely forgotten how to learn. And there are particular environments where that becomes a bigger issue as well. If you're in a company where you're a very small cog in a massive machine, it's very, very bureaucratic. <laughs> There's going to be a lot of forgetting of how to learn in that kind of environment. So, yeah, I think that's probably the value proposition for any learning uh, learning function is helping people get better at learning, basically. 
and, and, and unfortunately, I'm not good at branding, so I'm, I'm struggling to come up with a really quick, easy phrase. But there's definitely something about fish and Taoism <laughs> here that needs to come into our world yeah. of learning and development. <laughs> the Taoist fish approach of uh, <laughs> of learning and development, possibly a fish out of vinegar. <laughs> yeah, we can go back to the vinegar. Yeah, <laughs> Jamie. I mean, as always, I could talk to you all day about this, um, but we have to be conscious about the sort of average listening cycle of people on on podcasts. So. Um, I'm sure, listen, you've got a book coming out super soon. People are going to want to find out about that. They want to connect with you, find out more about your fabulous thinking on, on all things to do with learning. So where can people find you? Where can they access you? And how, how will they get hold of your new book? Thank you. Um, yeah, I, I mentioned my new book in the, uh, in the last podcast episode as well. It's still not out, but it, it is it's finished. I'm, uh, I'm just working on the marketing plan right now. Uh, a new book is called The Story Habit, How Leaders Shape Stories That Drive Action. And that will be available sometime in August this year. Uh, if anyone wants to keep in touch with me, uh, you can find me on LinkedIn. Uh, just look for Jamie Dixon. You'll find my face on an orange background. Or you can check out my website, shapingpaths.com, all one word. Uh, and you can find out more about me there. Fantastic. Jamie, thank you. We will share that all in the show notes as well. Um, and likewise, if you want to find out more about us, our website is giraffepad.com. You can find me on LinkedIn as Mark Williams and GiraffePad. And all of our podcast episodes are on our website or all the usual apps. So please do tune into them and you'll find a couple more of Jamie if I didn't mention that already. Um, once again, all I can say is thank you, Jamie, for sharing your fabulous insights and expertise as always. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening and uh, tune in again in the next couple of weeks for our next episode. Bye for now. Bye.